control. Situation normal. Hello. Willkommen. Bienvenue. Konnichiwa. It's Amish Inquisition time yet again. On Sunday the 16th of August, episode 145, I'm Amish Phil. Amish Matt. Amish There's Ben no. isn't here tonight. No. No Amish Ben. No, he's in a secret location. All will be yeah. revealed next week. <laughs> uh, and tonight we've got the odd man back. How are we doing, odd man? Hey, doing great, guys. It's uh, it's a pleasure to join you once again. Oh, thanks for coming back. Um, if you're listening, eavesdrop. Well, you are listening, but what you should do, <laughs> obviously, is pause what you do. Pause this podcast and just go to the search bar and search for the Oddcast featuring the Odd Man out for your fix of hidden history and occult deconstruction from a self confessed rabbit hole aficionado. <laughs> That's me. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, people should check your Instagram out as well because you're pretty active on there, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm. I've been very active. I'm kind of slacked off a little bit as of late, uh, just trying to focus more on the podcast. But uh, definitely, there's a lot of information on there for people want to go back and just scroll through it for sure. That's the thing. I mean, it's so quick, isn't it? You can go to Insta and you can you can guzzle up like a month's worth of content in just a few minutes can't you absolutely yeah people you know they'll they'll send me things and i'll be like well you know i already (laughs) posted that months ago if you'll actually scroll through (laughs) you know nobody wants to spend 10 minutes scrolling through (laughs) you can't blame them because we're kind of conditioned to just get those first couple of pictures or headlines and it's kind of the um i don't know it's kind of the weakness i guess of uh social media maybe it's purposeful you know to keep us from <laughs> keep us distracted right you know, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we can only think on that, that those couple of uh, headlines that we see or those couple of pics or videos that we see and we forget what happened just yesterday <laughs> it's certainly good at keeping us distracted fuck me i mean i i kind of detest social media really i don't i don't really like it and the amount of time that it takes out of your day but um, since st- becoming more active on Instagram over the last couple of months, I think I've I've come to the conclusion that Instagram is probably the the least evil. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. It, certainly, they haven't uh, figured in the algorithms to totally destroy information just yet. You know, you can still get some, you know, uh, individual ideas out there and some kind of more hidden subjects, hidden history and lesser known current subjects out there. Uh, the censorship is not as bad on there yet. That's and it's probably we- will happen. Well, it's weird because they're owned by Facebook, aren't they? Right. Yeah. So you yeah. think they would sort of use the same technology that they're doing, that they're using on Facebook to. I think it's, it's image based though, isn't it? So it's harder to, if you're just reading text on Facebook, I guess, but everyone, you know, has a caption and they usually put relevant hashtags in. So, you know, yeah, if you wanted but... to screw down, say, hashtag, hashtag deep state, <laughs> you, know, you could do, couldn't you? Yeah. Or uh, hashtag Millie Weaver. That's um, right. Yeah, well, we, were, we were messaging yesterday, weren't we? Because um, this story's just broke. Uh, yesterday, was it? Or the day before about Millie Weaver. I've not heard of this. Well, we should probably explain for normies like Matt, shouldn't we? 
<laughs> Millie, Millie Weaver, <laughs> just for background, Amish Matt, Millie Weaver's a journalist who works for InfoWars. Um, right, okay. Do you know who runs InfoWars? That guy. Alex Jones? Yeah. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay! <laughs> <laughs> So she, true. <laughs> yeah. so she works for, for InfoWars, right? And she's been teasing this documentary called... Um, oh, what's, right, okay. What's it called, Oddman? Is it Shadow... Shadow Gate, I think. Shadow Gate, that's the one. And it was due to have a YouTube premiere um, a day or two ago. And apparently, as it just before it was due to be premiered, she was arrested by the feds, by the FBI. And she managed to stream, or her friend who was with her, managed to stream part of her being arrested. So that's the background. And this, this documentary is all about the, you know, it's about technocracy and um, foreign companies selling your data and snooping on US citizens and all that. I mean, what, what have you made of it, old man? You know, I haven't had a chance to watch the documentary. I no. think you can you can watch it online, can't you? Um but it seems odd that they they're trying to say that she was uh she had burglarized something and that's all I caught really I didn't get any details on it I don't yeah. know if they've actually um put out the details in the press or not but it seems very odd that she gets arrested I think her husband was arrested as well yeah, yeah. on the on the cusp of this <laughs> documentary coming out so um there was there was three things I think that she was being charged with burglary, something to do with I can't remember the second one and domestic violence was the third one, believe it or not. Wow. So it's it's very strange and strange timing. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see who kind of supports her. Uh, I haven't seen much about it today. I haven't been on social media very much, but. There's not a lot. I haven't seen much about it. There's not a lot about. There's not much in the news and not a lot on social media. I, um, I believe she's going to appear in court on Monday, tomorrow. So maybe things will come out there. But, what was the uh, subject of the documentary again? Sorry. Um, it was about a sort of shadow government that's operated in the United States. Um, All right. There was a law passed, I think, in two th- or amended in 2013, if memory serves me right, which um, no longer made it illegal for the government in the US to use propaganda on its own citizens. Oh, right, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, and um, the idea is is that there are there are private corporations headed by people who have been who've had security clearance or generals people who've been ex-CIA or NSA, this, these sorts of characters. And they're running these companies, and it's all to do with data analysis. So um, they're, they're sucking up meg- megabits and gigabits of information in order to profile citizens yeah, and then use that information to, to target them for whatever, whatever purposes they might want. And is this supposed to be news? Well, this is this is what's funny because yeah, we all because of like things like Edward Snowden. I think we've all assumed, yeah. haven't we, for a while that governments do this actively. Yeah. And um, the problem is, right? If it's a government entity, they have to respond to FOIA requests, free, uh, freedom of information requests. 
Now, yeah. I believe because these are private entities, there might be a, a way around that. Right. Might. Is it only public bodies that you can I might request be, I might from? be wrong, but I, I think that was mentioned, yeah. Well, no, yeah, because I work for a public body and we have freedom of information requests. Yeah. So, um, but it sounds about right. Um, the, the sort of implications were that this technology is there's a technical technological component as well. So they're developing algorithms to also predict how people will behave, like fucking Minority Report. Well, yeah, <laughs> like pre-crime, like for you, your A level results. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> get onto that later, that debacle. <laughs> so there's a lot of a serious, you know, could be a lot of serious outcomes if, if this is found to be true but it's it's early days yet it, it was two whistleblowers who came forward who who both say they've worked for this these private companies but um i believe trump put a bit of a spanner in the works because um before trump someone say a, a general or someone who was head of the nsa who has security, security clearance, once they were out of that role and back in public life, they still retain their security clearance. Mm-hmm. And apparently Trump put an end to that, which might make him a target. That's true. Yeah, that's that's a good thing. I wasn't aware of that. Um, I've always wondered why they would continue to allow them to have a clearance um, because that gives them potential to work for not only corporations, but, you know, foreign entities or whatever that you could possibly have nefarious reasons to use that information. Um, Of course, you know, you get into like the, the five eyes program and I think they've got the last I read, it was like uh, 19 eyes. So you had like 19 different countries working together. And um, I was reading some information on there and it said that these Governments are allowing other governments to spy on citizens, and that way they don't have to adhere to that country's laws. So another yeah. country can. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's kind of um, a similar thing, except for people that are out of the government is doing it. So from from what I could be used. From what I remember, your government was using our network GCHQ mm-hmm. to spy on U.S. Yeah. citizens. Right. Right. Yeah, and and the Five Eyes network was was mentioned in the documentary too. They they said that that wasn't. Apparently, these private corporations, there's a handful of them, have basically unfiltered access to the entire Five Eyes network, security network, and data. Wow, <laughs> which is pretty. Well, you know that was going to happen because, you know, really our governments probably don't know that much about technology even <laughs> still, and so they have to use these large. Uh, corporations that are the tech, you know, the technocrats basically yep. they have to use them to, to do this spying and to do this um, eavesdropping and whatever you want to call it. Uh, so that's bound to happen. I would think. Yeah. So it seems like they subcontract all of it out. Yeah. They just offer it up and you know, the, the best, best bidder gets the, gets the contract, you know? Right. It's pretty worrying, but yeah. Well, like, um, you know, corporations like Google, I mean, they have information on all of us. And, you know, I, I, I'll mention to people, you know, maybe you shouldn't use Google. And they're like, what? Are you crazy? <coughs> like, 
well, Google has every bit of information. They work with your government. They have so many contracts with your, you know, you, maybe you should think about that. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was a rumor. I never, I never did the research to verify it, but there was talk that Facebook was start was seeded with money from, um, Homeland Security or some other department in the U.S. So DARPA or someone, it started as off as like a DARPA project. I read an article on that once, um, and it was, it did seem as, as the way they laid it out uh, that they did have money put towards them. Um, it was kind of, you know, they try to do it in an indirect way that is hard to track, but uh, it certainly seemed that way. And uh, the article was interesting. It said that uh, the CIA had um, had either started or given money or support to 30 some odd uh, tech technological firms. So it was pretty interesting. They probably uh, have been on top of that from the very beginning, I would imagine. Mm. You know, they had the um, DARPA had the, what was that program they had right before Facebook? Um, MySpace. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. I can't remember what it was called, but uh, it, it sounds just like what Facebook became yeah. and it, it, they ended up like two weeks, I think after Facebook started, they closed it down because people were complaining, I guess enough uh, information about it got out to the public. And so they, they called it off and even the logo, I can't remember what the name of it was, but even the logo was a pyramid with like, I think um, maybe a satellite coming into the pyramid or something like that. Very shady looking. Ancient aliens. <laughs> right. Yeah. God. Oh. Well, things are getting crazy your side of the water from what we can tell over here. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. I, I try to stay away from public as much as I can. Here lately. <laughs> I don't want any part of it, you know. How's um, it? How's the COVID going in your area? Because from what we hear, like the, the area's got hit hard at the beginning, like New York, um, have sort of have had a drop in cases, but it seems to be creeping up in, in other states that hadn't been hit so far. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to tell. I know like the CDC, uh, you know how they've given <laughs> various information and then backtracked many times on different things. Like I think two days ago, they said they said, uh, "Oh, now if you've had COVID, you have at least three months before you could get it again." And then uh, my wife looked at the website again this morning. She's she's a nurse, and uh, she said they've already retracted that, and now they say. <laughs> so it's so hard to get solid information. Um, mm-hmm. It does seem like like we have a local newspaper here, uh, the the biggest local newspaper. They actually do a midday COVID report, nice. and so you would think by their report that everyone is just dying left and right, <laughs> but. Um, you know, according to other people I've talked to, uh, according to my wife, my best friend's also a nurse in a, an, another town close to us. Things are not nearly as bad as what the media is reporting. Yeah. Um, and hardly, you know, a very small amount of people are actually hospitalized. And, and those that are even hospitalized, not all are put on a, a vent or in ICU. Um, a lot of uh, 
you know, the media doesn't really explain these things. A lot of people that come in to the hospital come in for a different reason. And then they 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 test them and then they say, oh, you have COVID. But they don't say in the media, hey, they came in for, you know, they just say, we've got this many people with COVID in the hospital. So it's kind of misleading. And also, I will say this. um, At first, I thought this might be a conspiracy, but uh, my wife had um, told me that everyone that comes into at least her hospital, if they have COVID and they they test them. And if they keep them in the hospital, they have to be tested every two days. So as long as they're in the hospital and every test that they have is counted as another case and not a case by a single person, but another case in general. So I think that's also misleading. <laughs> Just <laughs> a imagine. bit. Yeah. So, people, so if someone say someone's in a, a hospital with COVID and they end up being there for... 21 days right 10 cases yeah i mean that's <laughs> seven <laughs> i think he said every two days oh yeah oh sorry yeah t- yeah two that's amazing the, the yeah, problem yeah. is we, we just can't trust the statistics that are coming out we've had this we've had a similar problem in in england yeah i was just going to say wasn't we, about what we said about our stats as well yeah so up until a, a couple of weeks ago when the government did a, an urgent review, we have this health body called Public Health England and their mechanism for tallying up the daily COVID, death, COVID um, deaths was to search the NHS database for anyone who had tested positive for COVID and if they died that day, they went down as a COVID death. So they were counting people who had COVID, tested positive for COVID in March recovered and then got hit by a bus the day the day before <laughs> three months later yeah stuff like that unbelievable over, yeah. overnight they got rid of five thousand cases five thousand deaths wow five thousand deaths sorry yeah so ten yeah. percent but the thing is the way they've what scotland operates slightly different there and wales they have a 28 day period so now we count anyone who has a, a COVID te- positive test who dies within 28 days. So we're still counting people who die in road traffic accidents. This is the thing, stru- isn't it? heart attacks. Yeah, it's still not counting the actual <sighs> cause of death, is it? It's so messed up. It's, it's so, yeah, you just don't know what to believe anymore. No. Well, you, you look into like the, um, I'm sure you guys may have mentioned it before, but the, um, what was it called where they were doing the testing uh, for a pandemic last November, right before event 201 event 201. Yeah. (laughs) So similar to, you know, it's kind of like what they did there came true just a couple months later and they were pushing all those private public partnerships, which were beginning to happen. And uh, you had, John Hopkins and the Gates Institute. And you gotta, you gotta remember, Amish Matt is a complete normie, so you have to explain what Event Two Hundred One was. Explain, you have to explain everything. Well, the um, the Event Two Hundred One. So that was a pan, a pandemic exercise that was put on in last November, uh, and it was put on by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation or the Institute, one of the two. It's Doctor. That's Doctor Bill. 
guy. Dr. Bill, right? <laughs> and uh, the John Hopkins uh, Hospital or one of their um, – one of their offshoots, I think, were the two main ones, but they had several corporations that worked with them, and they also had several uh, news agencies on hand. They even had these people from the media do fake news reports, <laughs> and you can go on and watch every bit of it yeah. on YouTube if it's still on there. Yeah, there's uh, hours, like and hours and hours and hours, yeah. Yeah, so uh. it was so similar to what happened and what is happening it's just unbelievable. Um, and then you look back at the, uh, I think it was 2010, um, the Rockefeller Foundation did the Operation Lockstep as a part of one of their programs for a pandemic, which is also very similar to what is happening. So, you know, maybe those are coincidences, but I don't know. I mean, the, the, the <laughs> event 201 happened so close. Yeah. Close. Yeah. It's just, it's hard to say that, especially with, Bill Gates being such a big part of the both of the the real event and the event two hundred one, <laughs> yeah. how can you not be a little bit skeptical? But yeah. a lot of people aren't. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill Bill Gates was. I think he might have set it up. The Bill and Melinda Foundation might have set it up. But like you said, you had you had the IMF represented the Johnson and Johnson pharmaceuticals yeah. news media. They're all there, and it was yeah, it was planning. How would we respond? It was it was like a war game exercise. So. I think I remember this very vaguely. Yeah, they all sat around the ta- was he literally sat around a table? Bill Gates in it yeah. was he or not? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. actually, I'm not sure if Bill and Melinda were there. I think they had a representative there, like ah, one right, of their okay. senior directors or something. Right. They they haven't time. They're too busy, you know, trying to stab kids with <laughs> with vaccines. Stockpile <laughs> vaccines, yes. Well, yeah, it's I can't creepy. remember. Uh, I apologize. Uh, I think that Dr. Fauci had something to do with Event 201 as well, if I remember correctly. Well, you think they would have had like the CDC or the NIH there, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. You would imagine they did have. They did have the uh, the equivalent to the CDC uh, representative uh, of China there, which is odd because <laughs> you know China was the first place that they. <laughs> COVID showed up, so that was another thing that seemed pretty fishy to me. Yeah. Are, we, are we allegedly saying that Event 201 basically seeded COVID in China? <laughs> is, that what we're, is that what we're breaking down this podcast? <laughs> um, I won't say yes or no. But, uh, <laughs> okay. I, oh, you know, one entity we left out that uh, was behind um, Event 201 was the World Economic Forum. Mm. And now, you know, just a few weeks ago, they put out their whole, uh, what was it, global reset? The Great Reset, isn't it? Great Reset. What? Oh. And uh, I listened to one of the, they did a video, they've probably done more than one, but talking about the Great Reset, and it had this spooky music with this, <laughs> this really deep, creepy voice. Oh, the and German like, guy. I, I think it was. The head, the founder of, of yes. the, what's it called again? The World Economic uh, Forum, is it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, he's, he's sort of sat at a podium and and he's sort of looking down and he has this German accent. He's just missing like a white cat to stroke. <laughs> it's <laughs> creepy as fuck. Yeah, oh. and I'm just like, how can more people not be skeptical of this? But uh, I don't know. They, I guess fear, you know, really changes people and i can't bl- blame people for being afraid but 
at some point it's like some of the things that are going on are absolutely ridiculous and it's almost too obvious to that they're trying no matter what the origins of covid were uh our governments are trying to use them to get more power over us and uh a lot of things are changing economically too so that really makes one kind of uh suspicious of everything that's happening I mean, on, on the economic side, I would say cashless society is one of the big pushes coming out of this. Mm, definitely. Um, they, they don't, they, they've had that plan for you know quite a while. I think they've just been trying to wait until a, a, a good opportunity to try and implement it. A lot of people don't realize how, how much you give up by giving up cash. Uh, once you once uh, once all payments are electronic, there's no hiding. There's no running away. You're you're trapped. You're trapped wherever you are in the world. Whenever you make a payment, and I mean the governments want it for tax reasons, mm-hmm. so they so they make sure they can scoop all the tax. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, some you could say there could be some benefits. Think of like, um, you know illegal weapon sales or heroin sales or, you know, whatever. Okay, there's an argument there. But you, you, you're giving up a fundamental freedom, I think, aren't you, if you if you submit to have all your economic transactions recorded and on a database? I think so. I mean, you know, because every other element of our lives are being tracked, is being tracked anyway, pretty much. Um, and that would just kind of top it off there and there's even some talk here in certain states about uh implementing a mileage tax where you would be your car would be tracked everywhere you go of course they can do that through the apps that we use on our phones anyway but this is an official government thing so i think that would be the last thing uh you get those two together and everything that we do they might as well have cameras in our houses you know (laughs) Well, yeah, we'll have to buy push bikes, I think. <laughs> Let's go push bike. Yeah. But yeah, we yeah, the sort of we have a similar thing, don't we, with black boxes in cars. Yeah, there's an insurance thing you can do, isn't there, where you can and it records your speed and and it grades you and stuff. And then it figures out how much your premium should be depending on how much you speed or don't speed and So this is the sales pitch. Yeah. The, the motivation. If you if you let us fit this black box, this tracker in your car, we'll knock hundred pounds off your annual insurance premium. Brilliant. Well, yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> it's co it's like coercion, isn't it? Yeah. That's great. Uh, you, I could just see the uh the guys in the ad advertising room coming up with that. And we'll tell them they'll save a lot of money. They just <laughs> but, Yeah. I, I worked for a company and they had uh something like that on their cars. Of course, you didn't save, uh, you know, money on your insurance, but you were graded as to how fast you were driving, how quickly yeah. you took tur- turns and things like that. So, I mean, no, yeah, I've spoken to a couple of people and one of them was, he kind of fixed um, ATMs. That was his job. But he was told it was the the fault was logged as a specific fault, and then he was allocated a specific amount of time to fix it, and a specific time to travel from that job to the next job. And if he didn't do it, 
he was graded and he were, this is how you were um appraised i guess instead of having a, an appraisal with a, a boss this app did it and then there's another another guy i spoke to who like worked for a big utility company and um he had he had a tracker in his car and he basically if he wasn't out at half past seven on the road he'd get a phone call saying why are you not driving yet <laughs> supposed to be driving now at half past seven kind of thing you know this is uh what you get where it starts with big corporations doesn't it they they have the money to sort of put these procedures in place i'm so yeah. happy that i'm self-employed and i don't have to put up with shit like that anymore yes i know he, here um ups the company ups uh, they actually i think were at least the first company i had heard of that implemented something like that on their drivers and then the place that I was working, um, I worked there like 15 years. They decided to use that same system, but we weren't delivering packages. We were actually picking up um, blood work to take uh, to be tested for people. And um, it didn't fit with the way our job went because we were at the mercy of the hospitals and doctor's offices. Uh, and if they weren't ready, we had to just stand there and wait. <laughs> And so our boss was trying to go by that system and uh, people were getting in trouble all the time because they were taking longer than the system had, (laughs) you know, had let uh, or had put in there for us to be at each stop. So it was a nightmare for about two years. It was awful. Mm -hmm. And they had the, uh, they were testing our speed. um, And of course we were on the interstate highways, which uh, of course you can go much faster than these rural areas but if you were passing a small road or subdivision or little neighborhood, they would clock you going like 65 and like a 15 <laughs> and you were getting in trouble and you're trying to tell them I was on the interstate. I was not in this neighborhood or this ta- you know, or this little uh, area. I was just passing over it yeah. uh, like on a bridge or whatever. And they, they didn't care. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, because the computer says, doesn't it? Yeah, right. Yeah, computer my, compu- right. my computer says that you did this. <laughs> yeah. so, that's the way it's going, though, isn't it? It's taking over our lives, this, this technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Green New Deal works into a lot of this, sort of uh, the what you said about the mileage before. A lot of it's the the the, the reasoning behind it is is for CO2 and reducing CO2, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. That seems to be the um, one of the main uh, reasons that they're trying to implement some of these things. And also, they are trying to get people out of the rural areas into the cities, um, you know, in, in these smart cities. And they've got different names for various, you know, plans that they have. But, um, and they sound great, you know, on, just on the surface. Uh, they want to have these towers that people live in uh, with these apartments and then have the stores underneath the apartments so people won't won't have to travel to go to the store (laughs) but it's going to be a total surveillance state and um, it really doesn't sound like you're going to be very free Uh, a friend of mine he's a veteran and he was telling me he said you've got to um, you've got to watch uh, what was the 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 series on the um, Gosh, I had a brain fart. 
<laughs> the, expl- <laughs> the explosion, uh, the nuclear uh, explosion in that town, and they did a series on it. It was like in the 80s, I oh, think. Chernobyl. Uh, Chernobyl, yeah, Chernobyl. All right, yeah. So he said, uh, you got to watch Chernobyl because the way those people live, that's what they want to do to us is put us in these where everything looks the same. Everyone <laughs> has the same amount of money. Everyone you know, has the same amount of freedoms they can do. Uh, they they basically do all the same things exactly. Hey, the odd man, that's just equality, man. <laughs> We're all equally exactly. poor and equally right. equally <laughs> en- enslaved. <laughs> Shut up, slave. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it doesn't matter if some of us are more um, energized, you know, more, uh, have more motivation to do more things <laughs> in those situations. You're just going to kind of be stuck because you won't have the opportunities. Well, that's always been the big argument against it. It's like you're removing the incentive, aren't you? For people to strive. And, you know, if you're just handed your, your government, your, your job by the government, um, how much passion and effort are you going to put into it? Right. I mean, it's just yeah, a bad uh, idea. <laughs> I heard someone say one time um, that if you want to look here in the States at um, how what, exactly what we're talking about can backfire, he said, look in the, um, the housing projects where everyone, um, you know, everything's paid for, all the, the, the housing by our government in, in every city in our, in our, country pretty much those are the most dangerous and most Mm. crime-filled areas of all of the places he said that's what happens when people have no motivation or can't um and it's not that they exactly they can't do better but they have been convinced that they can't do better right and so so, it's 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 two things it's it's the bigotry of low expectations and the welfare trap right and I, you know, I can't blame uh, anyone for wanting to help uh, the less fortunate, but people just, they don't understand that that uh, helping hand is also a hand that wants to control you, you know, and the more they help you, the more power they have over you. And yeah. that's hard to get through to a lot of people, but um, it, it create, seems like common sense to me. The, the state then swells because it has to manage all this stuff and divvy out the houses and then it creates an all a whole industry around the welfare system then doesn't it and then that's even harder to get to get rid of right and and the more that you know people uh, are helped not everyone but a a lot of people it seems like the more they need help the less they believe in themselves Mm. and and it becomes generational and and it's not just a um african-american thing by any means or minority thing here there because here in the uh, southern part of the u.s there's a lot of uh, housing projects with uh, white people as well so it's not uh, it doesn't have anything to do with the color of your skin it's just a mindset um and um i feel like at least with our government they want us to be as needy as possible because they want to control our lives and they want to kind of manage micromanage everything that we do and and not everyone in the government has bad intentions right. uh, they feel like they're helping but it's kind of like that um 
that quote from H.L. Uh, Mencken, he says the urge to save humanity is almost always the false urge to rule it. And I think there's too many who kind of take on that mindset. They might be, they might have great intentions at first, but then they, they get out of control and then they start wanting to micromanage thousands, maybe even mm. millions of people. I think it's a, a lot of these, a lot of it's unforeseen consequences. So like we, we have situations where if you have a, a single mother, she's housed and provided for by the state. And, you know, if, if someone says to me, that sounds like a good idea, you know, because we want to protect people. We want, we don't want people destitute and living on the streets and especially when kids are involved. The problem is, is that this in some circumstances can provide um, can provide an incentive for fatherless households because if if the mum and dad stay together they're financially worse off than if they're apart and the consequences of this last for for decades for generations and you end up with households where there are three generate who've had three generations of people who've never worked that's right, and, and no fathers in the household, and no matter what anyone wants to say, I mean, you have a better chance if you have a father, even if he's only a half-ass father, <laughs> than you do without one, you know, because it just makes sense. You have another human being there to at least give you some support, some security and, and direction, and if you have a good father, then that has to up your chances by a great deal, and it's, it's, I think they're, like you said, it's it's taking away incentive um, for the family to even stay together. Um, and that's a shame because you have every incentive not to get married and have a family once you have that child. Um, it, and surely it's, people could concoct a, a, a system that could incentivize the opposite and, and, and even help them in, in some ways. Um, We're going and back. that's not to put down single mothers or anything like that, but no. you know what I mean? No, we, we all, we all know that there are, we can all think of single mothers who do a fantastic job. Um, but when you look at the stats as a whole, you're right. I mean, the number one driver for improving outcomes for, for children, it's not race or anything fucking wacky like that. It's mom and dad staying together. That's mm-hmm. the best thing you can do for your, for your kids, and uh, but the, the, see that the, the st- it feeds on dependency. You know what they don't want is self sufficient, free thinking, independent people. <laughs> <laughs> they absolutely do not want that. No. Public enemy number one. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! I I tell you what, you know when you were here last time, we we briefly discussed. Um, who Biden was going to pick for VP. And you mentioned someone called Kamala Harris. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I, you know, I had given up on her because she ducked out of the race pretty quickly. And it didn't seem as if um, she had much interest from the public. Not that uh, Joe Biden does. I haven't really seen anyone excited about him, but uh, I was a little surprised that he picked her. I actually have kind of a theory uh, about that, actually. Um, and it's kind of wacky, maybe. But Do, do uh, I need my tinfoil hat? Uh, perhaps, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, what's the theory? 
Well, I just kind of feel like I can't help but feel like uh, maybe the Democrats are trying to throw the race um, <laughs> just be, just the f- mere fact that they have pushed Biden so hard um, when he's in such a poor shape mentally. Uh, <laughs> that's that's embarrassing. I, I'm frankly embarrassed as a citizen of this country that they they would uh, put someone up there with that. Um, he's obviously getting senile you know there's no other way to put it um but i i kind of feel like they may be throwing it by picking him and then picking her and she's very um unlikable she's just not a doesn't have a personality that's very likable and not only that uh they claim that you know he picked her to kind of give him a boost among minorities but Minorities really do not like her no. uh, because of her authoritarian uh, past where she's really locked up a lot of people for uh, minor marijuana laws and or, uh, offenses and um, really been kind of one of those people who's really ruined the lives of a lot of uh, African-Americans. I said that last week, didn't I? I said she's probably responsible for breaking up more black families in America as an individual than probably anyone else in the last 20 years. Yeah, I was and you know, another thing, um, she is, she doesn't appear to be part of the establishment as far as the, the kind of national establishment um, where um, Bloomberg, Joe Biden, um, think even uh, Tulsi Gabbard, they were all members of the Council on Foreign Relations. Uh, Joe, I don't think he is right now, but he was in the past. Mm. Um, then you had Mayor Pete and uh, Cory Booker, and they were Rhodes Scholars. So, yeah. you know, they th- those two groups run hand in hand. Yeah. And then uh, there was talk of Joe picking Amy Klobuchar or, uh, let's see, what was the other lady's Warren? name? No, she was from uh, Stacey Abrams. She's from Georgia, I believe, representative from there. She's They're both Council on Foreign Relations. So when he did pick Kamala, uh, I couldn't find any connection to any of those Bilderbergs or Council on Foreign Relations or Trilateral Commission, any of that. So I'll, that makes me think even more so that they're throwing it. Wow, that's an interesting they angle. There are people in every election, so... I don't know. I and, and the reason I another reason I think that um, is because they're getting so much the DNC are getting so much of what they want with Trump in office, and that's not necessarily to say it's his fault. I mean, I guess he bl- he does share some of the blame, but they're getting more gun uh, restrictions for on the Second Amendment under him than they could under Obama. Right. Uh, they're getting. Um, well, we're almost, we're really at the cusp of a type of universal basic income, I think, with this, uh, you know, with the COVID and, and the, what's going on, uh, closer than we've ever been so far. And then, um, you know, we've got, we're racking up the debt like crazy, which also goes along kind of with that mm. UBI system. Yeah, n- new monetary theory. Right. Uh, sorry, so, modern, modern monetary theory. And then we're getting... Uh, Contact tracing, and then uh, we're getting, uh, I don't know if they've passed it yet, but they're trying to end encryption. We may have spoken about that last time. I can't remember. But they have something called the Earnit Act that they've put forth. And um, 
it would end all encryption. And um, they say that they're doing that because they want to end child trafficking. So every text you would send out or every email you would send out would be scanned by (laughs) our government and some technocratic company like Google to look for certain words. And that's what they say they were going to do. But obviously you can see how that's just another huge invasion of privacy that could be used for evil purposes. (laughs) (laughs) So I I don't know. That's just a theory. It may sound crazy, but um, they could have, surely found better people who could have given Trump more of a run for his money than those two. That That's what puzzles us this side of the pond is, is, is well, Joe Biden particularly. I mean, why, 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 why Joe Biden? I mean, he just doesn't seem up to the job, does he? No. I mean, even people in the, in the mainstream news are saying, you know, the importance of this VP pick is because the chances are he won't make it through four years. I mean, how, why would you even bother putting someone up who, who doesn't it look like they're going to make it through the right. term. Right. So and why why would they throw it? Why, what's the motivation for throwing it? I just think that maybe the, the possibly the deep state has figured out, hey, you know, we can work around Trump. We kind of know how to work around him now. And we're getting a lot of the things that we want done. So why screw it up? Because, <laughs> you know, one thing I'll say, um, I mean, I like some of the things Trump has done, but, you know, other things I, I think he could have done a lot better. But uh, he is great at keeping the public divided. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and and so, was, you know, Barack Obama did a fair job as well. And I think that, honestly, I think that's one of the main reasons we still have a president, because it keeps the public so divided, so distracted. Yeah. And they pay more attention to this infighting with the, you know, the, the top Democrats and the president than they do about the policies that are going on behind the scenes. Mm. So that that provides a huge distraction that is much needed for, I think, the people who kind of pull the strings in the background. Yeah, because it's sold us political theater. Right, yeah. yeah. And we love old- our political theater. <laughs> I was just going to say, what's the alternative to uh, having a president? Just not having a president in each state kind of governs themselves kind of thing? Well, you know, that's a good question. Um, do, so you guys have prime ministers. Now, are they similar to the presidents as far as that works or is that? Well, I think the, I think the, the main difference is we have a prime minister and then a head of state, don't we? So I, I believe that's symbolic though, the head of state. Yeah. The queen. I, but I believe the president is both, isn't it? In the US, I think that's the way I understand it. I would assume so. Um, and, you know, a lot of people kind of, especially in the conspiracy world, have been saying for years that the president is just a face. You know, he's just a kind of um, the person they put out there to represent the country. And he doesn't have nearly as much power yeah. as it's, you know, as they say. I mean, I go back and forth on that. Uh, sometimes I think that because especially under Trump, you know, he'll say one thing about a policy and then next thing you know, the opposite's happening, and that's happened numerous times. And I'm like, is he kind of like hinting around to us that <laughs> in sort of a, a weird way that um, he doesn't have as much power as, as you know, he's acting like? Mm. It seems like no matter what, the uh, as far as like the military and the in, in wars and those type of things, they, they never change between 
presidents very much. And it doesn't matter if they're Republican or Democrat, that, that party at least seems to stay the same. Well, what's the, the famous clip of the, is it the wise, wise what was he called? The Wiseman seven or something. Can't remember the guy. Um, we talks about the, uh, getting the, the note down from, um, secretary of state. And, he, and he, it's around the time of the Iraq war. And he announces, um, which countries they're going to take out over the next five years. Have you heard that? Oh, right. Yeah, that was um, General Wesley Clark. Wesley Clark. It's the Wesley, the Wesley Clark Seven member. <laughs> He's CFO as well. He was, yes. Naturally. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, he was. He seemed to be correct on there, except for the, the, the years. Of course, it's taken much, much longer than five years, which I think anyone would take a look at that and think, that that would take much longer than five years. But it seems like we've really checked the countries off on that list, except for Iran. And um, I don't know. Uh, so it, it was shortly after, it was shortly after nine 11, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. It was, uh, I think it was even before we went into uh, Iraq and because he was talking about how they had plans to go into Iraq, Lebanon, and we just had that huge explosion in Lebanon and it kind of made me think that something's going on there. Uh, he mentioned Syria, Afghanistan, and Iran. Somewhere else and in I Africa. Libya. Libya. Libya got and done. And I think and I, maybe Somalia. Yep. I think Somalia. Yeah. I know that we're, I know our military is in Somalia doing things. Um, I don't know what's going on exactly, but I, I read a couple of months ago that, uh, there had been more bombs dropped in Somalia or in Africa, excuse me, than any other time in history. And the, the news is not talking about it. So if that's correct, maybe that's they're working on that, mm. <laughs> that country. And well, is it, which, which is the one that, uh, is it Saudi Arabia that's uh, bombing? Is it Eritrea? Yemen. Yemen, sorry. Yeah. But we're selling them. We're selling Saudi Arabia, the, the planes and bombs basically. Right, yeah. To do it. And, and then we're contributing to the aid to Yemen. <laughs> so we've got both ends tied up. And we'll also help rebuild Yemen as well. Obviously, yeah. yeah. We've got, it's all about rebuilding. Yeah, <laughs> rubbleize. Yeah. We've got to rubbleize them first. <laughs> and then, you know, send the, the boys with the um, the JCBs in to rebuild. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think it was um, I think it was on my last podcast. I played a clip from a guy named... Uh, Eustace Mullins, and he was talking about war, and he was saying that uh, the big thing with war is really the rebuilding. He said that's where the money's at, and so uh-huh. he, he seemed to think that that was one of the biggest motivations for uh, for for staying in war. But of course, there's a lot of money going to the uh, weapons manufacturers as well, so that, that's another incentive. Yeah, you got to make money on the way out as well as the the way in. It was it was yeah. Dick, Dick Cheney famously wasn't he? He was he was chair of the board of Halliburton, mm-hmm. and then didn't Halliburton get non what do you call it non competing bids for rebuilding Afghanistan and Iraq? That's right. Yeah. Also, a Council on Foreign Relations member, <laughs> even even a director at one time. Wow. Yeah. A, a big dick. Yeah. A big dick at Absolutely. the CFR. Wow, have you ever, have you ever watched the film? I can't remember what it's called now. The one with uh, Batman in Christian Bale and Dick Cheney. Oh no! I, 
I haven't seen that. I, I'd like to. It'd probably make more sense to you two than it would me. I watched it. It was a bit boring for me. What's it but, about? Yeah. What's the what about time about period? Him, is it? How he basically changed the constitution or something, or the role of vice president? I didn't really get it. Um, I, was, I was quite bored. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, he was talking about how he basically changed the role of vice president, and he essentially had. He was sort of saying in the film that he had more power than George Bush at the time whilst he was governing. And basically he made all the decisions about I mean, the you, wars and me building and all the rest of it. I mean, anyone looking at George Bush could probably come to this similar conclusion. Yeah, and it was kind of depicting him like he um, almost took advantage of George Bush to get that power, basically. That, I kind of... I remember seeing the previews and I kind of thought in the back of my mind that that's one of those movies that Hollywood is doing for itself. You know, yeah. like they were like, we don't really care if a lot of people watch this cause this is for us. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I would, I wouldn't mind watching it. Yeah. I, can't I, kind of, I kind of have a hard time believing that he was taking advantage of George Bush in a way that was not approved by George Bush's father because <laughs> he was well, such a powerful yeah. guy. But I don't know. I mean, I think I think definitely Cheney was in charge uh, for a lot of that. You know, sorry, Matt. No, I was just going to say I think it was intimated in the film that it like George Bush Senior was a bit more um, in control as well, kind of thing. Well, well okayed everything for him. Well, I was going to ask you that, odd man. Have you ever? Have you ever looked into George Bush's senior, uh, George Bush's career post presidency? Did he still keep his finger in pie, or did he just quietly retire to the countryside? Uh, George H. W. Bush, yeah, the, the elder, yeah. You know, he was involved in certain things. Uh, he kind of uh, it seemed like he got into philanthropy, which sounds great, <laughs> but <laughs> you look Bill. at the uh, history of philanthropy, and it's like been warped and used for controlling things as well. You know, he was in, um, he worked with some group called the Carlisle group and he met the day of, it was either the day of or the day before with Osama bin Laden's brother in New York. And then I think it was the day of because yeah. he was allowed to fly out. It, the only the plane, time. the only plane yes. in U.S. airspace was Osama, right. Osama bin Laden's family's private jet leaving America. <laughs> you can't write it. No, you can't. You can't. And and he was, he was uh, also, of course, in the Council on Foreign Relations and the Trilateral Commission. He was one of those establishment guys. He, of course, had all, also been the head of the CIA. He had been... Um, He'd worked for the UN as uh, one of the representatives to one of the other countries. I forget now which one, mm. but that guy was, you know, he had a lot of power and uh, a lot of influence. And I could tell when he passed away, it seemed like even the Democrats here uh, really respected him, which I thought was odd. Um, he had that long funeral and yeah. <laughs> it was televised here and, it was it was strange. I just started seeing more Democrats kind of uh, coming out of the woodwork and, and saying nice things about him. Did did and, you uh, did you see the clips of those envelopes at George Bush Senior's funeral? That was strange. Uh, just I have tell a friend that Normie, explain what happened to Normie, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
uh, during the funeral, you see that um, I can't remember who brings the first envelope or who it's, shows the first envelope. It was in the um, the program notes or whatever, wasn't it? It sort of certain people had an envelope in the program, <laughs> and it was uh, so it was the Clintons, if I'm not. Uh, Mistaken, right? Clintons, uh, George W. Bush, uh, and did the Obamas receive one as well? I can't remember. Oh, it was Jed. Jed Bush. Okay. Jed Bush looked like he'd seen a ghost when he read what was in the envelope. That's right. 2024. He had his hand to his heart, and he reads this envelope. Uh, His wife shows him the envelope, Nancy, or whoever, and he just sort of goes... (laughs) <laughs> like he's going to pass out. Uh, <laughs> I would have loved to have known what was on that. You know, Q has a theory about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't get too deeply into that because you can just go in, down such a rabbit hole. But uh, I have a friend who's really deeply into it. And um, he sent me this video and I, I decided to watch it. I usually won't watch long videos because I don't have a lot of time. But uh, And it was all about how... Q is actually JFK Jr., the, the fellow that died in the plane uh, with his wife and sister. Yeah, it's so bizarre. That, that's another bizarre one. <laughs> right? Yeah. So they, they claimed in the video that he is still alive. He's had plastic <laughs> surgery. It even showed this guy who looked nothing like him. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, it did show the two women who supposedly were his wife and sister that also died in the plane. And they actually did look like those women, except older. I'll say that. But uh, they claim that the letters were from Q uh, at the funeral. And it was saying that, um, and this this gets even crazier, that actually George H.W. Bush had been killed at a tribunal for heresy uh, before that. And that funeral was fake. And yes, it crazy yes i know uh you think heresy? i'm a conspiracy theorist right <laughs> heresy that's like a biblical charge who charges people for heresy right right um <laughs> and i guess that the thing was to the, the the envelope supposedly let jeb know that his day was coming and that q <laughs> q was you know was watching him basically my god <laughs> It was interesting anyway. I don't know. Well, you get to see uh, Hillary's poker face because she didn't react at all when she read what was in the envelope. That's right. I need to go back and watch that. She, um, that makes sense because, I mean, she has no feelings. I mean, lizard people have no feelings, right? (laughs) Cold-blooded. Hey, I'll tell you what I wanted to ask you, Oddman. Do you think that the debates are going to go ahead? Yeah, I wanted to know this, yeah. I just can't see it happening with uh, Biden uh, in his state. Um, some people are saying, well, they'll do them like on a Skype or type of type of uh, concept like that where they won't be in the same area. And then people are saying, well, people will feed Joe's answers in his ear somehow, you know, which, I mean, I, it possibly could happen. But uh, in his current shape, I don't know that he could even pull that off without – people being able to tell yeah so um i was just now you're talking about the debates actually something i was watching something about uh, which is quite good on um the bbc about rupert murdoch you know 
Um, and there was, they basically said or alleged that in, I don't know if it was in Trump's first debate that was on Fox News, that he was pre-warned that the anchors who were asking the questions, and I think there was, is there a, like a blonde uh, woman anchor, quite good looking? Yeah, uh, Megan Kelly, I think it was. Yeah, and he was warned by that guy, the big fat guy who ran Fox News, that right, they're going to go with this tack and these are going to be the questions you're going to face because he was kind of rooting for him to work, uh, win and like he, there's records of meetings of Trump and Murdoch um, and him telling, apparently they've been friends for ages, but saying he's going to run for president and he like, kind of laughed him out of the room initially. But then they started working together. and But this is, you know, it's well documented and he's worked with every single, basically every prime minister for, since the 80s has an agreement with Rupert Murdoch and they always win the election, basically. Wow. Well, here, anyway. It's all about uh, contacts and uh, yeah. networking and, and those big, like, uh, I think last time, I was on, I briefly mentioned the uh, Royal Institute of International Affairs. I'd like to come back sometime and just talk, uh, do a show on that. That would be kind of fun because I've mm. been really trying to uh, read more into those guys. Okay. But um, yeah, definitely. you got that, those guys in the, 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 the Council on Foreign Relations. Those, those two groups work hand in hand together. Uh, and they seem to, they have all these other councils uh, and institutes of affairs in other countries, which I, I didn't know uh, uh-huh. a couple of years ago, but they're really controlling, I think, the governments or at least having a big influence on a lot of governments around the world through these these really powerful institutions. Yeah. I mean, the way I, I'm, I'm quite fearful for your country at the moment because the way I see it with this election is there is no good outcome that whoever wins it's just going to be worse than it is now. I'm quite worried, you know. I think you're right. I, I I don't think there's any other way to look at it, in my opinion, and I hate to be a downer, but uh, either way, you're going to have a lot of, I mean, we've had so many things happening so fast under COVID. uh, And like I mentioned, the um, the (coughs) Earn It Act for getting rid of, um, uh, any type of secrecy or privacy uh, or encryption. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they have the um, the contact tracing. They have this bill that would really, really infringe on the Second Amendment to a point where it would be very hard to defend yourself in any real way. Um, just all these things are happening at once. And... Uh, I don't see too many people talking about that. They're more, more or less talking about the fighting between the Democrats and the president or the rioting. Yeah. And I, I can't help but think that a lot of things that we're seeing are just out there or partially out there at least to distract us from uh, the fact that a lot of these policies that are happening are really changing things fundamentally in the background and going to change um, what little freedoms we have left are really going to uh, change them in a big way. And 
I just feel like people are asleep at the wheel or they're so distracted. They're not bothering to defend their own rights. And, um, yeah, I'm afraid you're right. People don't realize they take for granted how hard their rights have been fought for. And, um, it's very easy to take your eye off your eyes off the prize and have your rights gradually bit by bit stripped away from you. And, you know, even if it's done with the best of intentions, uh, once those rights are taken away, good luck getting them back. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it's, yeah, people don't, don't understand. We were supposed to be very vigilant, you know, it's the way the founder set up everything yep. and they all kept telling us not to trust our government, to be vigilant, to watch them, to be, to be very involved in the system. And, uh, instead of doing that, we've ended up just all but worshiping these politicians and once we get them, if we do get them elected, we're kind of like, well, that's our, our job is done. You know, mm-hmm. this, this, this president will take care of everything for me. Yeah. And, uh, that's not the way it works. And so the president, even if he is a good person, uh, he may be distracted or under assault where he cannot or doesn't have the power to protect your rights. And so if you don't watch your rights and defend them, nobody else is going to. I can have sympathy for people. Uh, people have busy lives and they've got their own problems. And for a lot of people, particularly in this country as well, politics is something that happens every four years. And and, and in, in the intervening time, they just sort of get on with their lives. And I can understand that. But yeah, you, you need constant vigilance, eternal vigilance, don't you? Right, yeah. Yeah, and it sounds cheesy. It kind of sounds like old-fashioned, but it's the thing is that I think a lot of people don't realize as is um, even though we're in the year 2020, uh, the the simple um, well, greed has not changed in thousands of years. People are still greedy, just like they were several thousand years ago. Yep. the 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 lust for power hasn't changed a bit. No matter how far we get with our technology, a lot of these things don't change and you can apply a lot of the same things now to uh, politics from decades and decades ago. Um, and people, I think they, they just get kind of lazy and, um, and it almost becomes like a, a sport for them politics, you know, uh, it's like water cooler talk, you know, mm. they like to make fun of the representatives on the other side, the other party that they're not a part of. And it, and it really, it's almost like they, they don't take it seriously. They do, but they don't. They, they end up defending the personalities of the politicians, uh, but not really delving deeper into the policies and what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. Well, we're rocking up onto an hour. Well, I think we're over an hour. Let me know. It's gone so quick. We haven't even t- talked about Freemasonry. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> we said we were going to talk there, about Freemasonry tonight. <laughs> now, there's a rabbit hole. <laughs> wow. Well, we have, it's, it's we been... Have a spot, we have a spot next week, Phil, don't we? <laughs> That's up for... It's, it's out to tender, that one. All right. Uh, it's been great having you back on, man. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's gone really Thank quick you. again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I tell you what, I would I would love to hear you do a deep dive on on your podcast. I don't know if you've looked into him at all, but uh, Robert Maxwell. 
Oh yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Because um, we, what are we? Are we thirty eight, thirty seven? Yes. And so we were sort of pretty little kids when he drowned. I remember it, I remember he, it though. He drowned in a boating accident. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's an interesting character. I bet there's more to that story than uh, we're told. And Ghislaine. Well, obviously it leads into yeah. Ghislaine then, doesn't it? And yeah. yeah so. so, yeah, don't that, think... That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, something to... I'm just not sad anyway. Just trying to just trying to run your own podcast for you. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. It's uh, yeah, uh, that's a, a very interesting subject, and uh, I'm sure that you could get really deep in in the rabbit hole with that one. And I may just have to do that. <laughs> I look forward to that. So yeah, don't forget eavesdroppers. Check out the podcast. Um, link in description as usual. And uh, we shall uh, just stay on the line for his. Odd man, while we play ourselves out. Thanks for coming sure. again. It's been great. Yeah, thank you. Thank see- you very much. I enjoyed it. No worries. Okay, see you in a bit, eavesdroppers. Won't be long. Bye. All right, we're back. That was that was our chat with the odd man. The dwarf and the mother of madness. <laughs> oh, what an edit that was. <laughs> I, I did that. On, I did that on the fly with the fader. I, I, nice. I clipped out the cripple. Because mm-hmm. Amish Ben isn't here. No, he's crippled himself. <laughs> so that was our chat with the odd man. That went really well, didn't it? Yes. Lovely again to speak to the the odd man out over our representative on the other side. U.S. correspondent. Yeah, U.S. correspondent. Yeah. <laughs> Deep state correspondent. <laughs> oh, but seriously, check his podcast out. It's really good. Good. It's informative. If you're into hidden history and all that caper, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's well worth a listen. Make sure you subscribe. Like, good. And, like and subscribe. Like you should like and subscribe our podcast. Oh, man. Do we need to do some housekeeping? Yeah. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. <laughs> Housekeeping. I'm a blind man. Oh my god. So what do we want? We want iTunes reviews for a start. iTunes reviews, definitely. Yeah, yeah share it about if you find the podcast valuable. Make sure you tell people about it. Yes. Word of mouth. Um, Come, you can also p- donate monetarily to us through Patreon. No, you can't. Looking at PayPal. PayPal. Why would we yeah. want to give 7% to Patreon for doing nothing? Exactly. Well, I was just going to ask that question, Phil, actually. Yeah. I don't know. Let's have it direct. Toss us a fucking coin. Toss a coin to your witcher. Oh, valley of plenty. Oh, valley of plenty. Oh. Toss a coin to your witcher. Oh, valley of plenty. Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. I'm a blind man. Um, and we've got we've had two, count them, two new reviews this week. All right, excellent. Would you like me to read them or not? Yes, please. Okay, so review one entitled um, Easy Listening and Interesting Discussions. Easy Listening? Easy Listening, yeah. Radio, <laughs> the BBC Radio 2 of podcasts. 
Um, first time I've listened to a podcast and thoroughly enjoyed listening to Ian Lyon's career path, lighthearted, real chat, and easy listening whilst answering emails. Now, I think that's what we were aiming for, wasn't it? When we, uh, yep. So this podcast, that, and, you know, um, possibly retiring from our day jobs. <laughs> and then um, the second one, Yep. entitled Thought-Provoking and Entertaining. Right. A great series of interviews with guests that offer a unique perspective on life. I've thoroughly enjoyed listening, and it gets more interesting every episode. Highly recommended. Highly recommended. Wow. Well, doesn't that warm the cockles of your heart? It does, yeah. It almost makes my lack of effort worthwhile. <laughs> Well, I think we should take this opportunity to thank our producers for this week's show. Okay. We've got Amy from Insta, Anonymous, Gav Scott, and Online Chemistry Tutor. Oh. So thank you. I'll play this especially for you. I'm a blind man. Oh, yeah. So amazing in their love. The dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. You're wrong, and you're a grotesquely ugly freak. I'm a blind I think man. I terms with the fact that I am gay. Like a judgment day and terminating mode, like. I'm a blind man. I imagine the carrot was my penis. Grab a stick and twist it! Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! So, thank you. Thanks for helping us out this week. Oh. I didn't realise that was the, um... Thank you for the producers. I just thought you'd put that together for last week for major lols. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I thought I might as well retain it. I put some work in. Okay. It's recyclable. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. Yeah, no, no corrections this week. Shall we move on to COVID-19 news? Yeah. COVID-19 news. You know, it's just, you know, super painful. So, what have we got? What's been happening? I'll tell you what, um, <coughs> recent guest, Malin Baker, mm. uh, took a couple of clips from Malin's YouTube channel. You should watch it. It's great if you like sort of bipartisan, level-headed, accurate news sources. No. I prefer the BBC. <laughs> um, I would recommend Malin's um, channel. So he, he did a video, uh, his Friday roundup of the week video, and one of the opening sections was about the lockdown and the rationale behind the lockdown and, you know, following the science and whatnot. And apparently there's okay. a, a study come out, yeah. a study in PNAS, are you familiar with penis? I'm familiar with my own penis. Do you not? Uh, do you not look at penis every now and again? <laughs> every time I go to the toilet, man. <laughs> penis is the proceedings of Natural Academy of Sciences or something. I can't remember. It's one of them journals. Okay. So anyway, I've got a couple of clips. Clip one. It's not as though these sorts of decisions were made according to the science. You probably think they were, because that's what we're continually told. We have followed the science at every step. 
But a paper published this week shows that actually the majority of democratic states simply followed each other. Carl Wenberg, one of the report's authors, said this. We found that the decisions were not based on or had a very weak correlation to standard epidemiological indicators such as number of cases, number of deaths, ICU capacity, etc. More important has been how many neighbouring countries have already implemented measures. Mm-hmm. So the implication is that the lockdown wasn't following the science. It was, well, uh, other countries are doing it, so I think we better do. It kind of had that feel to it, I think, at the time, didn't it? Keeping up with the Joneses. I think the thing is, is I think I mentioned this last week, I think the feeling at the beginning of all this is very much different to how I feel now, I think. In what way? I think I was... I don't know if it's just because of my exposure to it, obviously it's been ongoing, but I think I was more concerned at the beginning of the lockdown than I am now about it in general, I think. Yeah, I'm the same. I mean, there was real anxiety at the start. Yeah. I remember, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, but you you had a customer who said to you, I can't believe we're going to completely tank the economy to save a thousand people or whatever he said. I don't know. Yeah. A guy who was in the vulnerable category and over 70 Mm. and he was completely against the lockdown. Mm. It's just a bit of flu. (laughs) I think there's something worse to that effect. Yeah. But like my, my mum's like uh, 79 and I think she's completely opposed it. And I think a lot of the people that she socialises with are as well, because it comes down to that quality of life. You know, you've, when you've got significantly less years ahead of you than you have behind you, mm. then you probably just want to see your family because, you know, when you're 79, you might just die. <laughs> yeah, there's a matter of perspective about it. And, mm. and it does smack of government overreach. Yeah, and I think she's kind of of the opinion that uh, if she gets it, she gets it kind of thing. It's just, you know, if it wasn't that, it could be a heart attack or a stroke or, you know, when it's your time, it's your time. It's about balancing risk, isn't it? Mm. Um, You know, it's like people are worried about sending the kids back to school. I mean, the odds of your kids dying of COVID, I mean, if, if you took those odds and applied them to re- the rest of your life, you'd, you'd never let your kids out again. Exactly, yeah. Uh, we have to we have to tolerate certain amounts of risk. It's part of the human condition. But we're being conditioned, you see, because we're getting bombarded with this messaging all the time. Mm, yeah. We're going to go on to this. This is the, you know what our problem is, is why our fear has waned. Yes, of course, yeah, because we, we, yeah, it's that association, isn't it? We're exposed to it now. We'll, we'll come on to that in a minute, because uh, okay. we have another clip from Malin. He sort of goes on to the, to the fact that our government didn't believe a lockdown was possible until right. they realised it was a possibility after other company, uh, countries. Ah, all right, okay. So here we go, this is from the same study, the penis study. <laughs> 
And that certainly matches what we know about the UK experience, because we already have testimony to the effect that the SAGE committee that was advising the government assumed that the UK population would not put up with China-style lockdown policies. It was only when they saw Italy implementing such policies, they realised that, well, actually, this was an option that they could follow as well. And it seems they weren't the only ones. It's arguably a dangerous situation because it presents the obvious danger of government-level groupthink. One country does a thing. Very quickly, it becomes the obvious and intuitive thing to do, which is really how we got to lockdown in the first place. Pretty telling that, isn't it? The SAGE committee, when they were doing the planning, originally, when this all kicked off, didn't think that the British public would stomach a lockdown. And it was only until it was implemented in Italy that they even entertained Mm -hmm. it as a possibility. Quite quite strange, really. Yeah. I mean, the reason Italy locked down was because the, the health service was overwhelmed. Yes. But it was overwhelmed in 17, 18 flu season. Right. Uh, to To a similar degree. I've not heard that. Yeah, you can watch the news back okay. from back then. Well, this is the thing. The other thing I've seen widely reported is a lot, a lot of countries' deaths from this. If it hadn't been found, this COVID-19, that it would have just been considered a bad flu year. We, we played that clip last week, didn't we? Oh, it's on this podcast. You heard it, on the, you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so anyway, moving on, I was, um, Deutschwelle is becoming one of my favourite sources of news. Oh God, is it because of the anchors? (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) The weird, so we had like the robotic American anchor. Mm. Deutschwelle is like, you know how the BBC has BBC World? Yes. So if you go to America, you can watch BBC World, it's the internationally syndicated version, yeah. The Deutsche Welle. government's soft power arm. Yeah. And Deutsche Welle is the German equivalent. It's like BBC oh, World. Right, okay. So it's all in English. And, right, okay. Um, and yes, and although it's such a weird interview, this, it's a guy called Ralph Hertwig. Mm. Um, he's from the Max Planck Institute. Uh, made up. And the subject they're talking about is what we were talking about before. Why aren't people taking COVID as seriously as they were? Yeah. I think some of this is now happening, that some people seem to uh, have the impression that the risk is possibly not as big as uh, it was often said in the media and by politicians. But of course, we all know that the virus is still very much alive and kicking. So what is necessary uh, to revive the kind of fear or respect that people had at the beginning of the pandemic? Respect. Well, that's an important question. And uh, if I could easily answer it, I would uh, be much richer than I'm actually. (laughs) Uh, That's a $1 million question. Uh, And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that we keep talking about this as a crisis. And even the framing 
of a crisis typically means that a crisis passes. Um, I mean, a crisis is typically not years long. And I think what's important is that we meet, need to possibly change our mental model of the problem, namely that we need to adjust our expectations, that this is a problem that is not going to disappear within days, weeks, or months, that it possibly stays with us for quite a long time. Forever? Yeah. It's a virus, isn't it? Yeah, so this, this sounds like it's going to be quite difficult to eradicate like smallpox and polio and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, tricky customers, respiratory mm. virus. I just found the question out unreal. How do we keep the, the fear levels up? Yeah. Bizarre. <laughs> it gets weirder, though, because I've got a second clip. But the thing is, is sorry, I was just going to say, though, that it, this is a natural response to fear. The more you are exposed to something that makes you scared yeah. initially and nothing bad happens to you over that period, the less and less anxious you will be about it. Exposure therapy. Yeah, it's just that's just what happens in your brain. Plus, you couple that with the fact that we're getting more information as we go along. Yeah. So, originally, half a million people were going to die. Yes. And then, but if we did a lockdown, then it'd be 250,000, was it? I thought it was 250,000. Social distancing. And then he said, I remember in a, in a, in a briefing, he said um, that 25,000 deaths would be a good outcome. So, we'll double that. We're not allegedly. Yet. <clears throat> you can't trust them. No. Who knows? Yeah. We, we might not even be there. The thing is, different countries are reporting deaths in different ways. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you, you can't trust the numbers. There's no way. I just find it really hard to believe that our numbers are so much worse than neighboring countries. There's similar kind of healthcare systems. I know our health in general. Tends to be poorer. We've got a lot of old people. Yeah, but so are other countries. Uh, probably less than, say, India. So India have a far, oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. have yeah. like a far lower case fatality rate than the UK. But the other thing about India is the access to healthcare. Do they have a national health service? I don't think so. So, like, all the people, how many people live in India? It's like 2 billion people. <laughs> it's about 1.3, I think. Right, okay. So there's 1.3 billion people there. Yeah. And uh, do most people live in the countryside still rather than cities? I don't know. I don't so how, so. How, how, how are those cases being monitored, you know, in villages and things like that? I'll tell you what, it definitely isn't. It's definitely nothing to do with them using hydroxychloroquine as a treatment. <laughs> <laughs> definitely nothing to do with that. Well, the other thing is, it could be something to do with that, but it's also it's to do with how the numbers are recorded. You know, like I'm not saying that this is the case, but in Greece, they might just not be recording cases in the same way. A bit like how their cases are low. They're treating it the same way they do their tax returns. Well, yeah, just not <laughs> recording it. <laughs> so you know, you don't know, do you? No, it's you don't. Very hard to prove. What is right way of doing stuff? I mean, for comparison, I think India have had roughly the same level of deaths as, as us. 
but I think they've had something like 3 million confirmed cases. Right, okay. As opposed to our 350,000. Mm. So the the case fatality rate is is miles lower than ours. But and they've done something like twenty million tests, which is not a lot, is it? In a country of one point three billion, it's not. No, I spot. But compared to other countries, there's only USA who's done more. They've done about sixty million. Yeah. And then there's India, and then there's every one every other country in the world on the bar chart is a speck. You can't even see mm. it. India, yeah. USA, right up here. But anyway, getting back to uh, Pinas, <laughs> okay, <yeah. laughs> the interview gets a bit weirder, I feel. I mean, can we sort of learn something perhaps also from uh, religion? I mean, every religion in the world is based on people believing in something they cannot see, they cannot touch, yet they believe in it. They even follow rules while others don't. What is it that makes the difference in, in people following religion and something they can't see, and others don't. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't bet here on religion. I think that uh, what what we uh, what is helpful is to understand the to understand the data that we have, and uh, and also uh, to try to employ evidence based uh, means. In, in other words. Uh, there's now lots of evidence that shows that wearing masks and keeping distance is really an effective way of dealing uh, with the coronavirus. And so I would, uh, for me, I would not wage on a religion here, but really uh, on uh, the best evidence that is currently available. Just to, All right, prof- just to paraphrase, paraphrase a question. What can we learn from religion about indoctrinating large group of people to be fearful about something that they can't see? Yeah. Fucking bonkers. Fear your God. Weird. What a weird comparison to draw in an interview. Yeah, I don't... It's very strange for a state news agency to get religion involved. But isn't, like, the German party something Christians? Like, something Christian, isn't it? Christian Democrats or something. Yeah. Impossibly. So is like religion a part of more of a part of politics there or something? I don't know because they're quite fragmented. Um, you know, Merkel's she's always seems to be struggling to form a government. I don't know. There's a lot more parties and the votes are spread more evenly at the moment between they these have parties. St- didn't have states and stuff in Germany or they do, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's it's the it's not like the US where it's a, no. it's a definite two party system. Mm. Yeah, they have to. They have coalition governments, but yeah, I do remember something like a, a Christian, Christian Socialist Democrats or something like that. Mm. SDP or SCB, or I don't know what. But um, yeah. Anyway, uh, last piece of COVID news. There's a famous, you know, Doctor Bill. Bill Gates. Doctor, Doctor to you, Doctor Bill Gates. Doctor Bill Gates. Um, he did a, a TED talk about 10 years ago and it and yeah. it's getting a lot of traffic online at the moment right, okay and the talks about uh climate change and how we can reduce co2 and he's doing his talk in front of the screen and then he pulls up a graphic and it's an equation and i've written it down so the the equation is co2 equals population 
times services per person times energy per service times CO2 per unit of energy. And this is his equation that we need to invoke to lower our carbon footprint down to zero because it has to be car- we we have to be carbon neutral a 10 percent reduction on 20 percent is no good it has to be zero so it's a quite a famous clip that's going around i thought we'd I'd play it for you normies out there this equation has four factors a little bit of multiplication so you've got a thing on the left co2 that you want to get to zero and that's going to be based on the number of people the services each person's using on average the energy on average for each service, and the CO2 being put out uh, per unit of energy. So let's look at each one of these and see how we can get this down to zero. Uh, probably one of these numbers is going to have to get pretty near to zero. Uh, that's back from high school algebra. But let's, let's take a look. Not population. Uh, first, we've got population. Uh, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. There's a billion. How does that work? Um, well, I suppose the, the one is contraception, isn't it? And then education for women in poorer countries means they have less children. New, vac- new vaccines, healthcare, and reproductive services can reduce population by 10 to 15%. Yeah, I don't know why vaccines will. What's Bill Gates pushing at the moment? <laughs> what's he not pushing? I know, yeah. Um, reproductive services, how do they lower population? Uh, well, condoms and um, the pill. So, why why do you think population is so much higher in, say, sub-Saharan Africa than in Northern Europe? Because I have access to that. I would say that it's due to infant mortality. So you're saying that the have more children because more are going to die? Yeah. Oh, right, okay. But then if he's also got the, the healthcare tied up, the Gates Foundation, then he can ensure that you, you, your children are more likely to survive. <coughs> I, think the, I think the best way to decrease population is eradicating poverty. Yeah. Being number one, and then uh, ed- access to education for girls... Mm-hmm. would be in the number two way. As, uh, you know, a lot of countries, girls don't get an education. Mm-hmm. Um, girls can't work because they have so many kids to look after. Right. Uh, they, they would be my two ways to reduce population. It Vaccines wouldn't be on there. How can (laughs) vaccines reduce population? Why mention it? How can vaccines have any impact on decreasing population? Riddle me this. 
I suppose if you go in at it from what you were saying, so it's you the infant mortality thing, isn't it? So if you know your firstborn is going to get vaccinated against the common things that are killing children mm. in that country. So I don't know, like measles, for example. COVID. COVID. <laughs> um, measles, rubella, yeah. or whatever is going round. Polio, I guess. Typhoid. What, what did you say? Typhoid. Typhoid. Yeah. yeah. Cholera. Cholera is the big one. Mm. Yeah. Can you can you be vaccinated against cholera? Isn't that just about having clean drinking water? Yeah, I don't think there is a cholera vaccination. No. It's a, is it like a bacterial thing? Th- yeah, it's in the water, isn't it? Mm. But anyway, so yeah, that uh, makes more sense. I think that's probably why he said it. Maybe. Yeah, I it, it requires further investigation. I think. Mm. Is there a way for vaccinations to decrease population other than the nefarious way? There, there may well be. Yeah. Yeah. We've just explained it there. Yeah. I don't, I haven't, you don't give me any proof though. I'd have to look into it. Yeah. You know, um, I am a normie. Mm. So, you know, there's my normal um, explanation for you. Yeah. I'm, I'm well open to the normal explanation. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll move on from, uh, should we move on for COVID? Thank God. Do some lighter stuff. Yeah. Um, did you hear the cop in America trolling the Antifa lady? No. So there's a video no. going round and um, there's a cop and he's doing the pat down on, mm-hmm. you know, these riots or peaceful protests, depending on what your political view is, <laughs> that are going on in America. Is this for the Black Lives Matter yeah. stuff? Yeah, well, yeah. Portland's been on fire, hasn't it, for three, two months. I don't know. Is it, I don't watch the news anymore. No, it happens. No, I don't either. I'm a lot happy for, happier for it as well. Other, box sets. Other than Deutschwelle. I watch that. Yeah. <laughs> so this cop is patting down this uh, female uh, rioter slash protester, and uh, he trolls the, the woman holding the camera. Officer present while you're patting her down. What's that? Do you have a female officer present no, while you're patting her down? Nope. How do you know that I don't identify as a female? <laughs> you good? You catch that? Yeah, I did, yeah. How dare, yeah, how dare she assume his gender? Yeah, flip reverse that shit. He did, didn't he? <laughs> oh, she. They, they did. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> you just, just we're, we're we're doing it. We're assuming his gender. Oh no! Yeah, stop it. Mm-hmm. You have to stop and ask him what his pronouns are. Yeah. Oh god. See it's what, see tricky now, isn't it? See what's there. People people have it on the Twitter profile. What's that? Since the name. Yeah. Dave Dave David Ginola. He him. Ah oh, right. Okay. Or it'd be David. Ginola Zizer. Zizer, what does that mean? It's like he, her. It's a gender pronoun. Oh, right, okay. I don't conform to your fucking heteronormative <laughs> male and female, man, woman, he, yeah. her. I'm somewhere in the middle. Call me Z. No, so you would say 
What is Z looking at? Oh. Okay. It's bonkers. But this is where we are. This is where we are. So we just have to get on with it. I don't think um I don't think I'm that fussed about it, to be honest with you. It's, I think it's more of a an issue, isn't it? <laughs> In countries where free speech is actually a thing. You know. I think I'm not really that bothered, I don't think. If someone wants to be a, a they, you know. No, I don't care, no. Just, uh, the, the problem is, if you call him him, you could well, you could be uh, put down for a hate crime. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the only thing, isn't it? But the thing is, is, you know, I wouldn't... Um, oh, I, I would hope that if I went up to someone who I thought was a man and called him a him... And they were actually a hair or a they. Yeah. They would be understanding of that fact rather than reporting oh. to the police. Oh, well, that's what, you know. That's what I, you'd hope, but it's it's yeah. already happened, isn't it? It's already happening. Oh, yeah. But the other side of it is, is that people are obviously, I, I imagine on both sides, which is normally the case, they'll be taking it to extremes, won't they? And people will undoubtedly go into people who, who are transgender or whatever and dead naming them. I'm confusing to call him her or he or yeah, whatever. On purpose, yeah. Yeah, and the opposite kind of pronoun or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, there might be other people on the other side who are purposefully going after people who don't. Um, that's that's horrible, and I don't, I, can, can, I don't condone that behaviour, but I still don't think you should be locked up for it. You know, we've got to, you know, despite... They consider words to be violence, you see. Yeah, but I think, I don't know, that's quite a difficult thing to reconcile. I think there's an argument for both sides, really. It's difficult to legislate, unless you're like an an absolutist, free speech absolutist, Mm. and you say, no, unfortunately everything goes. You know, Mm. the golden rule should be, don't be a dick. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah. And uh, just leave me alone. Anyway, (laughs) did you hear... Moving on. <laughs> Did you hear Trump's um, uh, speech this week on uh, <laughs> cutting cutting red tape, the regulation bonfire? Oh, no. Go on. And, uh, but he's got a bit of a thing for showerheads. We're bringing back consumer choice and home appliances so that you can buy washers and dryers, showerheads and faucets. So showerheads, you take a shower, the water doesn't come out. You want to wash your hands, the water doesn't come out. So what do you do? You just stand there longer or you take a shower longer? Because my hair, I don't know about you, but it has to be perfect. Perfect. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, I did read this. Yeah. He's deregulating shower heads. What's the... Is that... Some, a personal thing or something who's been lobbied by the, the shower and faucet lobby? <laughs> I mean, the whole point it got traction was because people are looking at it through a prism of he's a narcissist. Okay. You know, when he says, my, my hair's got to be perfect. He's obviously taking the piss out of himself, isn't he? Because he's got stupid I've, hair. I've not seen this side of him before. Self, self-deprecating. He does do it with the hair thing because he knows his hair. The reason he keeps his hair like that 
is because it's a marketing thing. Mm. People talk about his, how stupid his hair is and any publicity for him is good publicity. Yeah. And it always will be for the Trump brand. And oh, this man with stupid hair. You can hear his supporters laughing, laughing at yeah. the joke. It's a joke. Yeah. I just, uh, it's just whether, you know, like you say, it's some sort of cynical marketing 4D chess, 4D chess move. Well, I yeah. thought he was an idiot though. I thought he was a buffoon, I, an idiot. I think he is. A, I don't know. There's probably elements of all of it, isn't there? Yeah. It's, it's a, a delicate, complicated flower. Well, I think every human's a complicated, delicate flower. Of course. But, um, you know, I, you can't imagine the, the media's depiction of him is, is a true sense of his being. It's just that he, he, his tag for life in general and for getting through this politics show that he's doing at the moment um, is being bullshit, isn't it? And just saying what he wants. That's his... Um, yeah. Modus operandi. Yeah, his selling point, isn't it? That's why people support him, because he's sticking it to the man. Yeah, drain the swamp. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we talked about, we briefly, very briefly touched on whether there might be a debate presidential debates where they'll go with, ahead or not with the odd man yeah we did didn't we we did i um i think i've i've can give you a flavor how it might go oh no welcome to kingswood community center oh no actually that's the one down i used to work as a joke you didn't know where we were anyway <laughs> you semites come on man <laughs> he's following the radical left agenda I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Take away your guns, destroy your Second Amendment, no religion, no anything, hurt the Bible, hurt God. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. He's against God, he's against guns, he's against Thailand. Look, come on, man. I, I, I know you're trying to goad me, but I mean... Because my hair, I don't know about you, but it has to be perfect. Perfect. I got hairy legs. That's like saying you. Uh, I, I shouldn't say it. I'm going to say something I don't. I, I probably shouldn't say. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. You can't do that. Right here, the United States is lowest in numerous categories. Uh, we're lower than the world. You have to go by where. Look, here is the United States. Now okay. look, we're last, meaning we're first. Last. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how it's gonna go. No, that was good. I enjoyed that. I actually made that. I know. You I didn't did. find that on YouTube. I no. made it from our own clips. Can you not make? Can you not put that on our Instagram page for people to consume and enjoy? Oh, good. Yes, I, I shall do that. I'll make yeah. an IGTV video. Yes, and you could do it with pictures. Oh man, that sounds like work now. Yeah, it's alright. You just have to sync it up on that movie maker thing. Fuck right. So I need a really stupid picture of Trump and a stupid picture of all Biden. Yeah. To use when they're talking. Great idea. I shall implement that next week. There you go. Yeah, it's going to be uh, a shit show. <laughs> a fucking shit show. <laughs> do you think he's actually going to do it though? Because when I've read a, the limited stuff I've read about, it, the Biden's camp are just not for it. Like it's going to be like um, bloodbath. Uh, what's her face? Oh, who refused, uh, 
what was her name? Our prime minister. <laughs> I've forgotten her name. <laughs> the 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 Maidon. Dancing Maybon. Queen. <laughs> the Maybot. Theresa May. Yeah, she she refused to do it, didn't she? Because they knew she'd be awful. And then she, did she agree to one? kind of limited pre-recorded or something she knew the questions beforehand oh the problem was is they wanted to change the venue they wanted to move the venue of the bait to thailand 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 oh gosh we've got to get on we've got to keep going i've got some i've got four pieces of miscellaneous news oh fuck right go go There's a comedian on YouTube called Ryan, American called Ryan Long. Right, never heard of him. Nope, uh, I hadn't before. And they did this uh, video on the YouTube channel. And the premise is there are two people who didn't, two two guys who didn't know each other before. And they found out they ha- that they have so much in common. And one of them is woke. And the other's a racist. <laughs> and they do... <laughs> And they do this skit, and one of them's got a T-shirt that says woke on it, and the other guy's got a T-shirt that says racist on it. And, uh, yeah, they've just got so much in common. When me and Brad first met, I didn't think we'd get along, but turns out we kind of agree on everything. Your, Your racial, racial identity is the most important thing. thing. Everything, everything should be looked at through the lens of race. Shanks, you owe me a Coke. Damn. We both have a lot of opinions about people of color, even though we barely know any. I say colored people, but as long as we're classifying them, we both think minorities are a united group who think the same and act the same. And vote the same. You don't want to lose your black card. Sorry, I don't know. I just think we should roll, roll back, back discrimination laws so we can hire based on race again. Jinx, now you owe me a Coke. Hey, tell them what you told me yesterday. White actors should only do voices for white cartoon characters. I've been saying that for years. Stick to your own. Us white people, we have so much privilege. I agree. It is a privilege to be white. Ask him about interracial dating. All I said is that black men who date white women have internalized racism, and white men that date ethnic women are fetishizing them. Guys against interracial dating now. Like, am I being pranked? Did Boomer put you up to this? Ugh, you know that taco place is white-owned? White people should be making white foods, like Kraft macaroni and cheese, no seasoning, not even salt. It's like he's a mind reader. I mean, I've been pushing for segregation forever, and my man does what? I created an improv comedy show exclusively for ethnic people. Guy segregates comedy on my birthday. White people need to stop wearing dreadlocks, and they need to stop appropriating black people's music. Shaved heads and country music, the way God intended. You know all white people are racist. I'm listening. Even if you have a black wife or a black friend group, you're still really racist. You know, we just kicked a guy out of the organization for having a black girlfriend, but if you can promise me he's still really racist, we'll consider letting him back in. Black people should only shop at black businesses. I guess the only thing we really disagree about is I think white people are the root of all evil. But what did I tell you, though? If we can narrow that down to a certain group of tiny-hatted white people, I think we can come to an understanding. Technically, I don't consider Jewish people white Neither do I. <laughs> it's quite... It's, oh, it's, so cool it's a lot easier to follow when you get the visuals as well. No, it sums it up quite well, doesn't it? Really, they're, they're talking quite fast though, and it's it's hard to uh, digest it all because mm. they're going so fast and they cover so much in such a short video. I mean, yeah. like the first point, um, the importance of racial identity is paramount. Mm-hmm. So that's the criticism is is that the woke people see life through the lens of fucking race, and racists see the life yeah. through the lens of race. Don't make of it an course. issue. What does uh, Morgan Freeman say? How to end racism. Stop talking about it. All right. And it'll just disappear. There's a, there was a famous interview where someone was interviewing about Black History Month. Have you seen mm-hmm. it? Fucking go and look at it on YouTube. It's amazing. This interview is saying, like, uh, so how do you feel about Black History Month? It's like, 
Uh, I don't know. How do you feel about Jewish History Month? <laughs> and the guy, well, guy goes, well, there, there isn't a Jewish History Month. And Morgan goes, oh, do you want one? Went, well, well, no, no, no. That's how I feel about Black History Month. Right, okay. You know, stop talking about it and the, and it'll just disappear. I'm, I'm kind of with him on it. It's interesting coming from, you know, a black man who's been through what he has, mm-hmm. you know, whatever challenges, because he's, he's an old guy now. He's knocking 80, isn't he? I think he might be 80, yeah. You know, he, he'll 80. been through all the civil rights movement and all that shit. So yeah. his, his perspective is, to me, is valuable. Mm. So, yeah, worth watching. Uh, so after Ryan Long... What else have we got? Oh, fucking Eamon, Eamon Holmes. <laughs> Eamon Holmes on this on this this morning got bitch slapped. Oh, again. Put in his place. Come then. Who by? I don't know. I can't remember. Who do you think? Who's he work with, man? His wife. Oh, he works with his wife, yeah. Yeah. If you relate. Please get in touch. Yes, there is the number to call 08. Monday morning blues, okay? That's what exactly what we're talking about. And if it's there, if it's in the pit of your stomach, if it's something you want to get rid of and share with us, please do. I'm getting that look from my wife, which says... I was in the middle of reading a number. Done, but I didn't feel you explained correctly what we needed. Well, now for. you've mansplained it to all of us. Let's carry on. <laughs> 08,000, 30, 40, 44. <laughs> or you can download our free this morning app, click get involved on there. Leave... She called him out for mansplaining live on air. Mm. She just wasn't doing her job properly, though, was she? (laughs) Yeah. I enjoyed that. Mm. I like the... That's a good thing about live TV. You also get things like this. Um, You're familiar with BBC's Carol Kirkwood? Who does the weather? Yes. I think I might have read about this, but I haven't... can't remember what it was. She was uh, doing a live broadcast from Greenwich Park, doing the weather forecast yeah. live from Greenwich, and uh, she had a bit of a slip of the tongue. Mm-hmm. Good morning, everybody. And Greenwich Park is one of the oldest enclosed of the Royal Parks. And look at it. Fabulous. The sun is beating down. We've seen lots of doggers, lots of, <laughs> not doggers, of course, lots of dog walkers and joggers. <laughs> Getting up early to catch the doggers. Yeah, Freudian slip there from the old look at Carol Kirkwood. Do you know, I bet people listening are Antidipodean friends <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and and our friends the other side of the pond probably aren't familiar with dogging. Do you not think? I don't think it exists. I think it's an English thing. <laughs> Ooh. We, would you like to explain what dogging is? No, I'd like you to. Um, is it the one where you drive to somewhere... Um, dark and secluded and you perform sexual acts in a car but then kind of tell other people that you're going to do it and they watch you or join in is that what it is? Is that the best way of summarising it do you think? Um, uh, That's so uh, such an accurate description I'm wondering if you've ever partaken Uh, Have you not seen Carol Kirkwood's (laughs) Only fans page. Were you in Greenwich Park on Wednesday? <laughs> it's a bit far. <laughs> right, do you, where do you normally go? Beacon Fell. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nearest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a weird thing. I think it's pretty unique. Dogging. I don't think it exists anywhere else. No, it, I remember it, maybe at the beginning of the, the turn of the century. Um, it being like which, a big which thing century. <laughs> This century, <laughs> of the 21st century, of it being um, 
like a big thing in the media and loads of documentaries on about it and stuff. Do you know how we'd uh, how we'd settle it? How would we you go to you go to Pornhub and type in like <laughs> Finland dogging, okay, or um, <laughs> Lebanon dogging? Yeah, it's bigger things going on in Lebanon at the moment now. <laughs> hey, tell you what. Uh, Malin has done two videos on the Beirut explosion. Right, okay. And he has personal experience in Lebanon. He's worked there and been to conferences there. He, and he, he knows the situation well. It's a very strange... It's uh, You hate to go conspiracy theory with this one, don't you? It's just a terrible accident. But you could see how a foreign state potentially learning of that being in that warehouse and then throwing... A detonating or something in there that would make it detonate, basically, couldn't you? Yeah. Uh, getting more conspiratorial, mm. Malin, who we know as a, a stand-up, level-headed guy, mm. who has experience in the country, in his l- recent video, said he was sixty forty that it was an airstrike on a Hezbollah weapons dump. So it wasn't the. Um uh, ton bags of whatever it was. It that ammonium nitrate is that what it was? That, that could have been the t- as well. It's non-exclusionary. Yeah, I suppose. Right. Is that is that what the um, is it like a, a known thing that it's where the Hezbollah weapons come through is like Lebanon kind of thing. Yeah, it's funded, right. isn't it? Is it funded by Iran through, I don't know. through Lebanon I don't know. to Palestine? Right thing it's not beyond yeah but i think you know if it was an airstrike you would probably think with the amount of filming that was going on but i don't know it's the initial fire isn't it that you kind of just see on the videos not before you're not going to be filming a random warehouse are you that's not on fire well they're filming it because it's on fire that's That's what i mean that's why the explosion got caught so many times didn't it from so many different angles when i first saw it i actually like i thought it it was like a a nuclear (laughs) yeah it looks like a a tactical nuke yeah it's terrifying where you didn't know what had happened kind of thing have you seen the video of the bride yes seen that in loads yeah loads of them that was that was fright that was proper frightening the the bride one the one that's professionally filmed. Well, there's that, and there's the there's another creepy one, which is um, someone filming it from the next building. Yeah, the next top of a, a, a warehouse next door to, and it's like sparking, yeah. and then it just blows, and you just see the phone the phone just flies through the air basically, and that's it. I've not seen that one. Hmm. And the driving one, that's oh, terrifying. Oh, God, yeah, where he's, he's driving, driving towards it. <laughs> and it just, yeah, he blows his car up yeah. as he's driving. Fuck. Like, yeah, awful. Uh, you joined the 21st century this week. Uh, what with my electric toothbrush? You bought your first electric toothbrush? I did, yeah. How's it feel? Can I tell? <laughs> uh, is, it, is it a revelation? It has been a revelation because um, I don't think my teeth have been cleaned for 37 years. Yeah, you, you get a new now, f- a feeling of cleanliness. That was unobtainable previously with a, a manual toothbrush. 
Do you know, that feeling wears off. I know, yeah, it already has. It normalises. It is, it's normal now. You'll have to go back to a manual for six months <laughs> and then go back to electric to get that new tooth feeling again. I know, yeah. Because it's so good. we live in such a duality. Our brains are wired to work things out because of their differences. Exactly. If there was no light, there would be no dark. There's no pain without pleasure. Mm. Uh, I, I had some pain this week. I watched the first episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. What? Have you not heard about Star Trek Lower Decks? Is this that cartoon that Ben sent us? Right? Was it awful? Uh, ben Ben posted it on our podcast. Fit. <laughs> Was it? What's that? Yeah. And. Uh, I had previously seen a review of the preview by The right. Critical Drinker, who is my, my favourite source of film reviews, because he's actually really good. Like, if you watch, like, his Blade Runner, the Blade Runner reboot review, it's inc- it's a really brilliantly written review. He just does it like a drunken Scotsman. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And uh, he did a rather scathing review of the lower decks thing and i watched the trailer and was like no this this looks fucking dog shit but because i because i miss ben pushed it in the whatsapp group i watched the first episode and it's gash what is it trying to be it's trying to be rick and morty all oh, right okay um it's not funny so you're on to you're on to a loser there already aren't you well, you've got to make it funny at least. I didn't laugh once. Mm. The humor level of humor is terrible. Mm. The animation's not isn't anything special. Mm. It's like it looks like you could have done that level of animation thirty years ago in a Chinese sweatshop. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just think I'm not. I'm not buying it. I'm not gonna. No. I'm not gonna waste any more of my life on it. I gave it. No. I gave it one episode. I'm uh, wavering on. I started watching Vikings this week. Yes, I enjoyed. I enjoyed Vikings. What it takes a while to get going, and then it gets good. But it's like it's got pretty shit production quality. So I'm just looking in the camera there, and I think I'm, I have a, a look of of Ragnar Lufthansa. Mm, I don't want to disappoint you. Do you know what I wanted to ask you? I think, I wonder if they doctored his eyeballs because there are scenes in the first couple of episodes where it looks like his, the blue in his eyes must have been enhanced because no yeah. one has eyes that piercingly, yeah, they, they are. piercingly blue. Do you think they are? Yes. Wow. Okay. Because it changes as the series goes on. They're not always that way. His eyeballs. A, yeah. What's his name again? Rag, Ragnar. Because they're, they're supposed Ragnar to be real Lofbrook. people. Yeah, they're supposed to be real people, aren't they? So, you know, based on uh, real Vikings. Um, so I don't know if, like, one of the, his traits was his piercing blue eyes. But it was, like, one, either the terrible, or Ivan, eventually turns up, spoiler alert. Who has, what kind, what colour are his eyes? I don't know, green. <laughs> Um, but he has something wrong with his legs, like he's born without, born without leg bones or something. <laughs> he crawls around, yeah. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. I'm a blind man. 
<coughs> Do you know that who you look like in Vikings if I was to pick one? Yeah. Floki. Really? Yeah. I don't know how to take that. It's a bit of a we- weirdo, isn't he? The mother of madness. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Mm. Well, it's really late again. I kept it, it short. I tried to keep the post short. I know, but you know, there's so much quality chat to be had. Yeah, never mind. Okay. You know, it's just, you know, super painful. We shall sign off for another week. We don't know who'll be here next week. We don't, do we? It's a random guest week. Yeah. I'm literally a communist. So we'll go and uh, see you soon. Mm. Bye. The dwarf, the crypt, the mother of madness. I'm a blind man. I'm a Marxist. Here's more from Dick Powell. Like a judgment day intimidating. I got hairy legs. Jesus Christ. I drink and I know things. I can't have children with a whore. <laughs>